to celebrate what God is doing in this place. And, and our hope is that one day we're going to be together with Him in heaven. I can't wait for that. No more sickness, no more pain, no more heartache, no more disease, no more taxes. Come on, something should be making you excited right now. I mean, heaven is going to be so great. So I'm looking forward to that. I can't wait for that. But until we get there, we're left here. And we're not just left here as if God is just like going, no, not yet. Not yet. No, you're getting close. As if it's some type of just like flippant or arbitrary time in the, in the scheme of eternity. But the scripture teaches us that God is not slow in keeping his promise to come back for us. But he's patient, not wanting anyone to die apart from Christ. Because you decide in this life where you will spend forever in all of eternity. So for just this morning's purposes, I realize that there are some of you in here today that you're here because a friend brought you. Maybe you've never even started a personal relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're still kicking the tires of faith, if you will. You still have questions that you're asking or there are things that you're just not. There are others of you that maybe you've just recently started a relationship with Jesus and and so it's all new to you. But there are, are many in this room that you know what it is to be saved by His amazing grace. And you would even say that as of today, His grace is still amazing in your life. And so there, there are, are many of you that get it when I say that the reason we're not yet in heaven is because there's a work here on earth that He still wants us to do. It's not only that He wants us to have amazing services, a great men's conference or a great women's conference or, or great singing and, and great preaching. Those things are wonderful. But the reason the church is still here, the reason the person seated in your seat this morning is still here, the reason you still have a heartbeat, the reason you're not yet in heaven is because God wants you, while there's time, to change the world by reaching your world and telling one more person about the hope that you have found in Jesus Christ. So why don't you just turn to the person next to you right now and just say, God has a plan for your life. Go ahead and tell them that. Go ahead and turn to the other person right now and say, I'm sorry, you were my second choice. I apologize. But God has a plan for your life too. And here's the plan. Our hearts are still beating because he wants us to reach one more person. Why? Because that's what happens when you experience hope in Jesus is that you go and you share that with someone else. It's incongruent that we'd say, I found Jesus, but we're not now looking to take that hope to someone else because found people find people. That's what we're about. We found Jesus, now we go and introduce others to And just by a show of hands, how many of you would say you have a family member, maybe a husband, a wife, a brother, a sister, son or daughter, a distant relative, or a friend or a co-worker who does not know Jesus? Come on, raise your hand. It's not a loaded question. You're like, but if I raise it, he's going to be like, no, no, no. We all know people who are away from Christ. The reason I'm still here, the reason my heart's still beating is so I can reach one more person while there's time. But the reality is most people who name the name of Jesus, who say, I'm a Christian, they have never led a single person to Christ. Not even one. And yet that's not the worst part about it. Most have never even tried. And would you believe that that is still yet not the worst part of it? Most people have never led a friend or a family member to Jesus. Most have never even tried. But the worst part is that most don't even care. And I would just submit to you today that my goal is not to come in here and give you this big guilt trip 
or beat you over the head and be like, what are you stinking thinking? Call yourself a Christian, not leading people to Jesus. Or, or to make you feel like, like, like so guilty to where you leave. Like, okay, fine, fine, I'll tell somebody. It's not a guilt trip. I just want you to know that it's in keeping with God's plan. It's the way he designed it is that once he rescues you, you become a rescuer of others. And what happens is that the enemy gets us distracted. The enemy's okay if you don't start your day by saying, I renounce Christ. He's all right with that. He's okay if you, if you uh, don't begin your day by just saying, that's it, I'm not going to tell anyone about it. He's okay if you don't go to that extreme. As long as he can distract you to get your eyes on something that does not matter... As long as he can keep us as the church from the primary mission and reason why we still exist. I mean, as great as this church is, don't you know that once we get to heaven, it's perfection? I mean, no more struggles. It's no more striving and trying to improve and do better. We will be in his presence for all of eternity. But while we're still here, there's this effort, there's this mission that we're all about. It's the one thing that it will be too late to do once we're in heaven. That is just reach just one more person. And that's what Pastor Josh has been teaching us through this series is that to change the world... We, we don't shrink back and go, well, what can I do for the world? We realize that there is a world that you and I have, our sphere of influence, our family, our friends, those that we come in contact with. And so God is not going to hold you responsible for all of mankind, but he certainly has created you to reach those that he brings to you. That's your world. Found people, find people. And yet... Most of us, when it comes to witnessing or telling people about Jesus, I mean, I I could get you to say amen or true or yes, we probably ought to do that. But somewhere between the willingness and the actual acting out of that and carrying it out, there's a breakdown. Sometimes it is because we get distracted and we, we become more concerned with just like work or just stuff or life or bills or whatever, so we lose our focus on what really counts. Sometimes it's because we're afraid of what people will say or what people would think. Sometimes we're scared that they're going to ask us questions about the book of Revelation. And you're like, I would love to talk to somebody about Jesus, but what if they ask me about the church of Thyatira? I know nothing about the church of Thyatira. What am I going to do? And so we are afraid that we might get stumped. Or we're afraid that as we go to tell somebody about Jesus, that they might reject it or shut down the conversation. And so because of fear, or because of just feeling like we're not prepared, we can shrink back. Today I want us to look at the life of this guy in the Bible, John chapter 1, whose name is Andrew. And from his story, I want us to be encouraged and inspired rather than guilted and leave this place feeling obligated because when we love God, a part of that transformation process and our growth in Him, we love then what He loves. When we love God, we love who? God loves. When we commit our lives to following Jesus, we can't walk for very long in his footsteps without realizing he was all about rescuing one more person every every opportunity and chance that he had. He would introduce them to eternal life, real life, abundant life. That's what happens when you follow Jesus. So instead of going, I know, and I'm such a spiritual loser because I don't, let's look at Andrew and hopefully when we leave today, we Will. Well, I'm going to look at verses 40, 41, and 42 in just a moment. Those verses will be on the screen, but let me set the stage by going back to verse 
35. John chapter 1, verse 35. It says, the next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And here's what basically is going on. These guys were God-fearers. They were God-worshippers. They loved God. But they were waiting for, they they were anticipating and looking for the Messiah. The Anointed One. Their Savior. Their soon-coming King that they were anticipating. They knew that that was a part of God's plan. That He would be sending one to save the world. And so they were anticipating it. So when He says... Look, he's saying, behold. He's like, check it out. There's the Lamb of God. He's saying, there is the Messiah. And so when John sees the Messiah and he discovers it, it says in verse 37 that there were two other disciples who heard him say this and that they followed Jesus. Now skip to verse 40 and you can follow along on the screen. It says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. It says in verse 41, this is what happens after Andrew encountered Christ. It says the first thing, somebody say first thing. Come on, somebody shout first thing. Way to go. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. If you're taking notes, and I hope that you are, you can write down point number one that we learned from Andrew is that we're supposed to watch for opportunities to share hope. Watch for opportunities to share hope. It says the first thing, the very first thing that Andrew did. So he's like, check it out. You're right. That is the Lamb of God. Wow, that is the Savior. Wow, that is the one that we're looking for. So he meets Jesus. He encounters Jesus. And his very next step speaks of priority. Says the first thing he did, the very next thing he did was to go and find his brother Simon. It was a priority to him. Let me just pause for a second and say, what is priority to you in your life? And you'll discover that by looking how you spend your time, how you spend your money, what you think about, what you dwell on. And should we be surprised that those who are part of the church and attend church aren't leading others to Jesus, should we be surprised when we aren't seeing them lead a lot of their friends or family members to Christ when it's really not even on our minds? And that is a real insight to what is or is not priority to us. We can get so distracted by just taking care of life. I mean, you got to replace the light bulbs, you know, or the car needs the oil change. Or, okay, got to work with this kid who's not uh, behaving, has got friction in the home, so we're trying to deal with that. i got pressure at job situations. Our marriage is happening. We get distracted by all of these things, then we get in survival mode. Instead of realizing that when you're on mission with carrying out the call of God, it takes care of so much of the other stuff. But the devil wants us to get clouded by that, preoccupied by that. Now all of a sudden we're not even thinking about the main thing, the priority, the big thing, and that is watching for opportunities, the priority and the passion of offering hope to people around us. Well, I told you that I have five little girls, and Bria's not in here right now. Bria is in... The, uh, well, she's, she's helping out in the nursery today, which is so Bria, you know, to be like, hey, I'm here. Who needs help? So anyway, Bria's in the nursery working right now. So one time we were at a camp speaking, and we we're at this campground to where prior to this event, 
when we were there speaking prior to that, somewhere in the area, this guy had been on the run. He was a fugitive. He was running from the cops because this guy had committed murder in the area, and the, the law was after him. And so he fled into these woods. They thought they had him kind of like located somewhere in this general area where the campground happened to be. And so they had like police uh, helicopters, you know, looking over the place and just people who were just just trying to find this guy. So we have this event there, and and uh, while we're there, you know, it came time for us to leave. It was after the final service. We load up in the family minivan, getting ready to go home. So we start doing, you know, what we always do when we load up, and that's like roll call, you know, to make sure because when you have as many kids as we do, you know, you have to be like, okay, daughter number one here, daughter number two. So you're doing your head count, and you're looking just to make sure everybody's there. We're like, where's Bria? I don't know. Where's Bria? Bria's missing. Yeah, I don't know where Bria is. So Casey kicks into, oh, we have to find Bria. Where's it? She's looking for Bria. And I'm like, it's all good. She'll show up. It's okay. But we can't find her. We can't locate her. Now I'm going, hey, I wonder where she is. Actually, he's kind of curious. So I'm just picturing like spotlights. Come out with your hands up. If you have Bria, let her go. You know, I'm just picturing all of this stuff. And so now we ask some of the leaders to start helping us. Hey, anybody seen Bria? Nobody can find Bria. Have the security teams like, hey, can you guys help? We can't find Bria. I've been looking everywhere. So we're going into cabins. Bria! Nothing. Going to the cafeteria, Bria, nothing. Out on like the wreck area, Bria, nothing. Now we're kind of getting to the edge of the woods, going, Bria, you know, we're looking for her, can't find her. You know what I did not say in the midst of that? You know what? We've looked, no biggie, we got five other kids. Let's everybody just get back in the car and go, I did not say that. And some of you are like, And we're supposed to be impressed that you didn't say that? No, I'm saying it's a given that I didn't say that. I mean, that would have been weird if I would have been like, I don't know where she is. But hey, we clearly told everybody after service, we're leaving. You know, Bria's six years old. She should have known this. She should have loaded up. No, as a dad, I'm going, we have to find her. I'm going to look until I get her. I wasn't even like, hey, I've looked for 20 minutes. What do you expect? We got to scat. No, I didn't do that. Why? Because priority, right? It was a big deal. Now, I've told that story before and then moved on. And, and Casey, at times, she'd be like, hey, you, you didn't even tell the end of the story. Like, they don't even know. And so uh, we actually never found her. No, <laughs> I told you she's in the nursery today. So, yeah, she, we did find her. It worked out great. But anyway, she, we're like, where were you? What's going on? She's like, I was in the cabin. We're like, we came in the cabin screaming your name. I know. So you heard us? Yes. Where were you? Under the bed. Why didn't you answer? Because we were playing hide and seek. He said, if I had answered, they would have found me. We're like, get in the car. But anyway... I didn't give up because it's priority. I'm just saying, like, what's priority to you? And when you think about the fact that there is a real heaven, there is a literal hell, when you realize that life is short, you know what? Life on this earth, James says, is like a vapor of smoke. It's here and then it's gone. Eternity is long, forever. How long is forever? It's, it's like a long, long, long time. It's like for, it was forever. It's eternal. You see the difference between life on this earth and eternity? Why are we getting distracted in this vapor smoke moment by stuff that shouldn't even be priority to where we're missing out on what Jesus said? Here's the whole reason you're still there. It's to reach one more person. Well, I was going to. It's just been a busy week. And I'm too busy to do the very thing that we're here to do. 
was going to and it just didn't come to mind. I just, what's priority to us? For Andrew, it says the first thing. Somebody say first thing. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon. Are you even watching for opportunities? If you started your day with the priority of sharing hope, you would you'd be amazed that when you're going through your day and just looking and watching how many God will bring you. Be amazed at how many times you think, oh, well, this is a moment right here where this person's obviously hurting. They need Jesus. You'd be surprised how many times you run into a situation where you say, this person is so hopeless, but I found hope, and I can share it with them. Well, the second thing I want to show you from Andrew's life, and you can write it down. It's number two, is to use your story to tell his story. Use your story to tell his story. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him. What did he tell him? How did he say it? How did he go about it? How deep was it? How profound was it? How tricky was it? How complex? How difficult? This is what he told him. We have found the Messiah. (laughs) Pretty simple, isn't it? This guy named Andrew experiences Jesus. The first thing he does, like, I got to go tell those that I care about. And then when he gets there, he didn't say, hey, let me take you back to Genesis. Here's what was prophesied. Okay, let me just tell you right now what the book of Daniel had to say. Let me describe this analogy, this illustration, this symbolic prophetic word from the book of Daniel. Let me tell you what Isaiah, he didn't say, you know what he did? He got up there and said, guess what we just did? We just found the Messiah. And if we would follow suit and not get so hung up on, what if they ask me questions? I don't know how to answer. What if they say things that that I don't understand how to respond to? Or what if they trip me up or I don't know where to start? What if you just realize that God has given you a story and he wants you to use your story to tell his story? May we never forget what it felt like to be lost. And may we never forget that all that we went through, some of you have a past that when you look back on it, you are bound by drugs, you are involved in so much junk, you are part of things that that just left your life a wreck. There are some of you that as you look back over your past, you realize that you lived in rebellion and you were doing things that were breaking the heart of God and you were involved in stuff that you just can't even believe it. But you look at that and you say, I once was lost. But God, by God's grace, I now am found. And I'm not saying that you should go back to the past to give the devil any highlight uh, time. You know, be like, oh, the devil. Let's not give the devil more, uh, you know, exposure than he needs. Let's not give him some uh, dramatic moment. Let's not brag on the past. But at the same time, while you don't go and live there, you don't go, go and glorify your sinful past, may we never forget what it was like to go from darkness into light. And as, sound, as someone who has found light, when we go to reach people, let's remember that they are still hopeless. They're still hurting. And all you have to do is say, you know what, maybe in a different way, maybe in a similar way, I know exactly what you're feeling or what you've been through. Or what you're in. Because you know my story's not a whole lot different from yours. There was a time when I was going through. And whatever your story is. doesn't have to match perfectly. Some of you would be like man I've never done drugs. I don't know how to share uh, Christ with someone. All of us at one point or another. Were in darkness before God brought us into light. 
And even if it's not a story that goes all the way back to your pre-conversion days, there are things that God's been doing in your life up to this point that if you simply took a moment when you saw the opportunity for you to share your story of how God is with you and how God is helping you, it'd be a game changer for someone that you're sharing that with. So yesterday while I was hanging out here at the men's conference with the fellows and we were having a good time, my my wife Casey and the, the kiddos went to Six Flags and so they were just uh, living it up, kicking up their heels there. But uh, one of the things Casey's always doing, she's always watching for opportunities and it's so natural for her just to talk to people about Jesus. But it's because she lives with that awareness and she looks and watches. So she was talking to this one lady and they were just talking about kids. The lady was just talking about parenting. The lady was just talking about having a hard time getting her kids to behave, which every mother in this house is like, I only have that conversation about 10 times a day everywhere I go with every mom that I run into. But if you're watching for and you're sensitive to the moment, you can see something like that. And so Casey was able to, just through a story of talking about being a mom, work that into how God is helping her, how God gives her peace in the midst of crazy days and and chaotic schedules, how God's able just to sustain her. How God gives her wisdom at times when she doesn't know what to do in a situation as a mom. And then after a few minutes, the lady said, that's kind of interesting how you you do all that God talk. That's kind of interesting how you do that. I think that's neat how you do all that God talk. And so she was catching on that and, and picking up on it. So Casey took it from God talk to specific relationship with Jesus talk and just said, you know, it really is. And that's who I look to because if. If God can love me enough to send Jesus and just starts laying out the story of the gospel. And there are some of us, we'd look at that and be like, oh, I'm just not a preacher. Oh, I'm not a missionary. Oh, I, I can never get up. Can you tell your story? Can you say, you know what? I used to uh, really have a hard time with that. I'm not saying that it's perfect or easy right now, but I don't have to do it on my own. And here's how God helps me. Use your story to tell his story. For God's glory. That's what he's calling us to do. And you know what? No one can ever argue with your story. I mean, they can't debate with you about your story. If you go in theological, if you go and talk in religions, people say, well, I don't believe that religion. This is what I believe. Well, I don't believe that about the Bible. I believe this. But you know what? When you go in and tell your story, no one can argue with it. I mean, you can't go in and say, well, I didn't used to have peace. I really lacked it. My life was crazy. But when I found Jesus, it like totally changed. And I can't explain it except to say, I just have the peace of God. Nobody can say, "Uh uh-uh. They can't do it. Why? This is my story. I disagree with the It's my story. You can't disagree with it. You can't not believe it. Why? Because this happened. I I used to not be able to see truth. I used to not be able to hear His voice. But man, I I met Jesus. And it's like my eyes were open. and, and, And it's not that everything's perfect now. But I know who to look to. No, you don't. I do. I really do. This is my story. And when people hear your story, and they look at their own story, and you're showing them how reachable, how accessible, how they are one prayer away from having the God of the universe turn their story from something that's going down the path of heartache into a life that can be restored and renewed. Don't you know that every person away from Jesus, they're starving for hope. 
They're drowning in their pain. And when you throw a lifeline that's genuine, it's authentic, it's not forced. Can we just be honest? How many of you would say that we have plenty? We do not need any more weird Christians. Come on, wave at me right now if we can just testify to that. You just say, please, no more weird Christians. And if you're like, what's he mean? Who's he talking about? Probably you. Okay, so get with somebody in the room and be like, okay, what am I doing? We don't need any more weird Christians. So I'm not saying that Casey went to Six Flags yesterday. She's like, I took my Bible just in case somebody needed to be thumped upside the head. You know, with my NIV. She didn't go around there with a t-shirt saying, get right or get left. Turn or burn. You know, it wasn't going around just going, hey, saying something weird. And I'm not saying that you can't pass out tracts. I'm not saying that you can't have a plan to present truth. I'm just saying, what if your life, the way you live, was so attractive to where somebody said, you know what? You have something I don't. And I need it. What is it? And you told your story. What if instead of just looking at all of the stuff that turns the world off by way of, of churches that are all about what they're all against, what if what's taking place here in this church could not be contained by the walls of this place? And we said, we're going to go change the world because of each person in here going and changing their world. How? By telling the story of what God's done in your life. It's not that complicated. It just needs to be a priority. The first thing Andrew did, he found his brother Simon, and he told him, we found Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. And then verse 42 is the final point. Point number three, it says, and he brought him to Jesus. Number three, invite your friends to experience the hope that is found in Christ. Isn't that profound? Invite them. In other words, give them a chance. So we don't simply go around and go, oh, I'm aware of a situation. Well, let me just say, well, the Lord's been good to me. Well, that's cool. But don't stop there. I'm not saying that every time you walk into a gas station that it must culminate in leading them in the sinner's prayer or you've been ineffective because sometimes you're planting seeds. Sometimes you're watering. Sometimes that is the moment where someone prays and gives their lives to Jesus. But when you're a part of a place like this where you have a cool men's conference, you have awesome things going on for the ladies, cool things happening for the youth and for the kids program, when you have great services like this, do you know how easy it is just to have a ticket or just to have an excuse, something with the service times on it, or, or maybe it's just a note that you've written out and said, hey, I want you to check out this website. It's where I go to church. Man, it's a cool place. Or this Saturday, I'm going to a men's breakfast. Now, fellas, yesterday we had a lot of fun. I hope that you were encouraged and built, you were built up. But what if now your next step is I'm going to go and find somebody and bring them to Jesus? How would you even do that? One of the ways is just bringing them to the men's breakfast this Saturday morning. That's not even hard. Because there's going to be bacon there. Come on, fellas. You know, this is, this is not even complicated. You just tell a friend, hey, I'm going to this men's breakfast, man. Come on, let's, let's just go get some grub together. And what you're doing is you're, you're allowing them into the part of your life that tells the story of Jesus instead of it being so like suppressed and buried so deep they know that you like motorcycles or they know what you do for your job or they know that you're a Rams fan they know some of these things but they don't know the whole reason your heart is still beating right now they don't know the reason why you have this hope that the world can't take away that's the stuff that needs to be priority that's the stuff of the story that comes out when you take that final step and say let me invite you to experience 
the hope that I've found. Ladies, you have uh, girlfriends who are talking about their marriage and they're like, it just, it's just not doing well or, or they're having strife. You know, they're going through some, instead of going, oh, I know, bless your heart or, oh, yeah, that's such a shame. What if instead you share the story of Jesus? What if you say, you know what, I think that you could use just a good dose of hope. Come with me Sunday to my church. I mean, what, what could they say? No. Okay, but you did your part to try and invite them. You did your part to try and bring them. And you don't give up. As long as there's still time on the clock, there's still opportunity. Some of you have been trying to reach your, 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 your husband or your wife or your son or your daughter or a friend or whoever for a long time. They have not yet responded. Don't give up. Don't give up. The battle's won in prayer. Ian Bounds says to talk to men about God is a good thing. But to talk to God about men is greater still. For some of you, you just need to keep battling that through prayer, watching for the opportunity to share your story for God's glory. And then when that moment, that opportunity is there, give them a chance to respond. You know what? I see that your eyes are full of tears. I can tell that your heart is broken. Would you want to ask Jesus right now to be the king of your heart? To be your healer? Because that's my story. When I asked him, he said yes, and he came in and he changed my life. Can I pray with you to do that? Maybe they're not yet at that point. Tears aren't there. They're not yet broken. You just say, you know what? I hear what you're saying about your life being crazy. I can totally relate to that. I know you're telling me that you're just so busy with these, these young kids that you have and this little baby. My church has the coolest babysitting service you will ever see in your life, and it's free. (laughs) So what you can do is you come and you let them play with other little kids for about an hour and a half or so. It's really awesome. You can stay for both services and get like three hours, actually. (laughs) You check them in. You get to come in. There's music goes on that just you'll find yourself as the music's being played. There's just a piece that comes over. you got to come check that out. Is that complicated? Is that that mysterious? That's just inviting somebody to experience the hope that you've experienced. I wonder if your next step was going to be to try and invite somebody to Jesus where you would start. Who would be that person? Maybe it's one person that's coming to your mind. Maybe it's two, maybe it's three. Maybe you're the only person in your family who's a Christ follower, so it's your whole family. Don't be discouraged. God can reach your family. Don't give up. But if you had a person or two that came to your mind, what if God wanted to use you to lead them to Jesus? Can you imagine being in heaven with that friend, with that family member for all of eternity, and to think, God saved them. We can't carry the role of Savior. But he used us. All our part was to tell his story through our lives. How cool would it be just to think that God allowed us to be a part of the process? Some of you are like, you know what, Scotty, the name that comes to my mind is somebody that is so far from God. They are anti-God. They... They just won't have anything to do with God, and so I just can't ever see this. Why don't you leave the heavy lifting to the Holy Spirit? 
Why don't you leave the miraculous part in his hands? Why don't you just try? Some of you are like, with this guy at work, I can't even imagine talking to him. Foul mouth. He's just so vulgar. He's so just pathetic. I mean, I can't even, I don't even want to have a conversation with him. Listen, it might help if you were reminded that lost people act an awful lot like lost people. So instead of being repulsed by it, what if you're like, oh, that's why I have this job. It's because you sent me to be a missionary to this place. You're not there to get a paycheck. You're not there just because, I mean, you're going to be in heaven forever, streets of gold. Come on, friends, the retirement plan is out of this world. It's going to be crazy cool. But until we get there, wherever you are, that's your world. So instead of being repulsed when you find somebody who actually needs the hope that you're here to give them, what if your heart was broken and you're like, that person who's driving me crazy, I think that's the reason why I'm here. That person who seems so far from Christ, God can in a moment turn their lives upside down. When you do that, you lead someone to the Lord, you have no idea the ripple effect, but you're changing history. He will go on to be a, da- a husband who loves his wife, a dad who loves and shows his kids about Jesus. Those kids who are raised up and go on to become Billy Grahams or whoever all over the world, and you trace it back, and as you had the courage to say, you want to come to this breakfast thing I got going on Saturday? You can have some good food. And I don't mean to oversimplify it, but I'm telling you, it's just that simple. Today, I want to pray over you. And I want to ask just as I pray, would you be open to God dropping a name or two or three in your heart that you would say, God, by your grace, I will share your story of hope with my friends or my family. Let's pray. God, I thank you that even though you don't need us, you choose to use us. And that even today, you're speaking to our hearts about our partnership with you and your kingdom work. I pray, Lord, that there would be a real burden and passion that would come to our hearts, a real priority to not only walk with you, but to bring people along on the journey. I ask in Jesus' name that you would speak to every man in this place right now about faces or names of people that you're calling him to share hope with. I pray, Lord, for every single lady in this place, Lord, that you would break her heart. For those she knows who desperately and deeply need you. I pray, Lord, that we would be a church that is so consumed with you that we cannot help but go and tell the world about you. Break our hearts for the lost. Oh, God, help us to change the world. Heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around. It's heavy on my heart. That there are people here in this place this morning. And you're the one who needs the love of God to overtake you. You're the one who needs to be on the receiving end of God's grace. 
Can I just tell you it's not just by chance that you're here in this room right now? I don't know the circumstances that God used to get you here, but listen, I'm telling you, you're here right now by God's divine plan. If you're here today and you're needing grace, you need another chance, you need a fresh start, you may even think that God couldn't love someone like you because of all that you've done and all that you're doing, all that you're a part of, you think there's no way that God could forgive you. I just want you to know this morning that he's not mad at you. He's mad about you. He loves you so much right now. If there would be a million miles between you and God, listen, he makes up the entire distance. He runs to you, but he leaves this last step for you just to turn and to fall into his open arms. He's standing right there with his arms wide open because he wants relationship with you. He wants you to quit running. He wants you to quit hurting. He wants to be your healer. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be your savior. He wants to be your king. He wants you to inherit all that he has for you. And it's time for you to quit believing the lies of Satan. The lies that say you've done too much or you've gone too far. It's time for you to stop believing that religion is enough and going to church is sufficient. I'm not asking you if you believe in God. Even the demons believe in God. I'm asking if Jesus is Savior and Lord of your life. And if not, He can be. You can walk out of this place today totally different, new. So radically, it'd be like the only way to describe it is as if you were born all over again. Do you want your burdens lifted? Do you want your sins forgiven? Today, do you want to start a relationship with Jesus for the first time? Or are you here today and it'd be a matter of you coming back to him? You walked with him at one point, but you've gotten off track. Stuff has happened. Life has happened. But today you want to come home. I want to pray for you. But if you sense God knocking on the door of your heart, please do not ignore that. Don't blow it off. Don't miss this moment. God is here and he loves you and he wants to save you. So with heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around, you'd say, Scotty, I'm not right with God, but I want to be. I want to commit or recommit my life to Christ. Include me in that final prayer. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. 
I'm not going to embarrass you or drag this out, but just by an uplifted hand, you just raise your hand saying, yeah, that's me. I need to come home or I need to start a relationship with God. I, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. I want to go to heaven instead of hell. I need my sins forgiven. If that's you, would you raise your hand all over the room just long enough for me to see it? Yeah, that's a lot of hands in every single section. There are hands. After you raise it up, you can put it down. Anybody else before we pray? You know that God's dealing with you. Please don't ignore it. Don't blow it off. Young lady, it doesn't matter where you've been, but it matters where you're going. Don't run from him. Let him soften your heart. Anybody else before we pray, you join these others. You just raise your hand and say, Scotty, I need that. I want to commit my life to Christ. Anybody else just raise it up. Thank you. Awesome. I'm going to pray over you in just a moment. Pastor Josh will give you specific instructions on next steps, and he'll talk to you a little bit more about this decision that you're making because it's big and important. But I first want to just pray over you before he leads you in that next step. God, I thank you for these that have responded today by uplifted hands saying that they need you. And I thank you, Lord, that your grace is ready and your grace is more than enough. Lord, I pray that there would be true life change that would happen right here and right now in your presence because, God, you're here. You're so good. And I pray, Lord, that as people say yes to you today, that they would be so changed and transformed, Lord, that they would never never go back to the ways of this world, but they'd follow hard after you. And I pray, God, that as they leave today, there'd be a joy that's so rich and so strong that it's impossible to describe. They would just know, God, that their sins are forgiven and that they have new life in Jesus Christ. I thank you for hearing. I thank you for answering. And I thank you for these who have said yes today. God, we give you glory. We give you honor. And we give you praise because you alone are worthy. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.